Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel and Marcy Unplugged. As always, we're sponsored by AdelMarcy.com, StorySellingBlueprint.com, and today's guest, very special guest, we're actually sponsored by AmericanWealthBuilders.com. Now, I'm very lucky to have the actual COO and guy behind and co-founder behind uh, AWB or American Wealth Builders, Peter F. Aquar with us, and that's a-Q-U-A-R-T. He spells it weird. It's his fault. Blame yeah. him. It's entirely his <laughs> it's fault. It's my parents' fault. Blame them. I've been dealing with that my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. But anyway, Peter's, uh, like, Peter got connected to me through a really good friend of mine, uh, Courtney. She just thought, hey, he'd be a great person to have on here. I've been doing a little bit of research on this guy. Not too much stalking, just a little light stalking. And um, yeah, seems like a really cool, legit dude. So I thought, hell, might as well get him on the show. Peter, thank you for taking the time to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here and always excited to just talk about the journey um, as an entrepreneur. You know, there's a lot of people out there calling themselves entrepreneurs that haven't been through everything it really takes um, to really start a business and, and, you know, not only just start it, but then take it to the next level. Um, so I always love talking about that journey because it's really no matter how much you learn along the way until you go through that, you don't get really get the power and the impact of it all. Um, and I Again, it's just so much fun to go through it. It's so much fun to share it. So much fun to watch other people go through that that adventure as well. So, definitely. Now, just a quick backup to give everyone here a little bit of a heads up. What American Wealth Builders is it's mostly a tradition. Uh, it's a turnkey real estate investment company, right? So essentially, you build assets. Someone buys the asset from asset from you, and it's already a profitable asset when they buy it. Correct. Yeah, so we've um, we basically stepped into the real estate world, and we've been doing this. The baseline of what we do every day now goes back about twenty years. Um, so what we really found was the real estate market is one of those lagging industries. It's one of those things where technology really isn't to the level we're at today um, in most cases, and really the way the industry operates is very old school. We're in a world now where it's about quicker information, quicker decisions, and really people taking control of their financial future at a, at a whole new level. Um, and that's really where American Wealth Builders has stepped in and changed the way that real estate investing looks. So when most people hear real estate, they think about purchasing their primary residence. We're taking that and changing your mindset. We're changing it into looking at real estate the same way you look at buying a stock. So it's just about profitability. It's just about the investment. It's not about what the house looks like, um, only about what that what what that vision of that house looks like in terms of how I make money on it or how I exit it later on. So it's a way different way to look at real estate and really making it more accessible to just the everyday investor. That's pretty awesome because that means now people on how do I put this nicely? They're not bitching out when they actually think about investing, which is a lovely, lovely sentiment really, in my opinion. Yeah, no, and, and, and listen, the you know we we spend a lot of time talking to our investors, talking to our prospects. Um, exactly about that, but then really what it takes to create long-term wealth. You know, yeah. if you're if you get in, it's the same thing that applies in the stock market, right? You get in the stock market, you're invested heavily, and the market takes a turn. The people that make the most money investing in the stock market, that's when they buy the heaviest on the downturn, right? Because they understand, well, if I lose here, but now I buy at that cheaper price, now I can build a portfolio over time that's going to be worth a lot more money. Same idea in real estate investing, right? If you have, if you're sitting in California or in Miami or in Dallas, and you're looking at three, four hundred thousand to buy your first rental property, that's a very scary thing. You don't know where to start. It's a lot of money to put up. 
where what where we kind of step in and where we operate is how do you take that same three hundred thousand dollars and now put it in a better set of properties to where you're diversified, you're hedged against risk at a higher level. You can buy eight to ten properties in the right market for that same amount of money. What does that do for you and your financial future and for your planning? Um, and that's really where we kind of sit in the crossroads of real estate. And you know, I don't want to say financial planning and advising because that's not what we do, but really wealth creation and how both of those intersect. Um, you know, over a 20, 10 to 20 year period and what that does for you. That's pretty awesome. So like, you essentially just kind of have come in in a whole, well, I'm going to say a whole new different way, but you've combined so many different things and done them in a way that really hasn't been seen before because this is one of the first few times I've actually ever had anyone say, hey, no, we're taking the best of both worlds, putting it together and making it in a way that it genuinely minimizes the risk for anyone that's going into real estate because I myself over Yeah, here, I mean, and, and you know, listen, we, I'm very straight up when I talk Nope, no, keep going. I think we've, I think we have a bit of a delay, but don't worry, keep going. Um, yeah, no. So what I was going to say is, you know, it, it's it's the best of. Here's the bottom line: any investing you're going to be in has some kind of risk that's involved there, right? The real question becomes not not only how do you hedge against that risk, but what's a variable that you can control versus one you're just going to have to accept in your risk model. Um, real estate. Real estate and this type of real estate that we operate in takes a lot of the question marks out of the equation, right? So you're dealing with the same type of asset. You know, we're anywhere, we, we have a range, there's probably three buckets that our assets fit into. So it's the same thing every time. The way we can go in and inspect a property and rehab a property and place a tenant, it's a system, it's a process that just gets repeated over and over and over again. And with every iteration that goes through, every property we look at, whether it's we just look at a contract or do an initial inspection, whether we get all the way down to a rehab bid, all the little inner workings that are involved there, we're doing on a on a scale that is a huge multiplier compared to the normal investor. So not only on what you talked about combining all the worlds, but how do we systematize it to curb your risk, control as many variables as possible, and enable you as an investor to not have to go spend six months marketing, six months looking for a property. You can step in and just buy through our pipeline consistently. And that's where we've been able to really create a business that stands out in that world because we just have something that churns. It's just a machine at this point that continues to just do properties every single month in and out. Wow. So how did you get come across this kind of thing? Because, it's, again, it's not a usual thing. You just, oh, I'm going to go do this today. Like, how did you yeah. even find this concept? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to tell you I came up with it. Uh, my co-founder and my business partner actually has been doing this for about 20 years. So he grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which is still one of our biggest markets. Um, you know, not a lot of family money there. He wanted to change the wealth dynamic in his family. Um, you know, grew up with not a lot. Never wanted for, never needed anything, but you know, wanting for a lot that kind of situation. So, when when you hear him talk about it, it wasn't it wasn't like, oh my God, this is a terrible life. I, I can't live this way anymore. It was, how can I make a generational change so that my kids are in a way different position, um, really with freedom and control more than anything. So, he started, and and I love telling the story because it really is at the at the utmost of just hustling and figuring it out. He said. I got to figure out how guys make money. So he just started hanging out where all the wealthy people in Columbus hung out, figured out that they was all in real estate, and then just started getting in there and doing it. He Mark's very much the guy who he's a quick action guy. He's going to, if he knows nothing, he's going to get in and start doing it, learn by making mistakes, figuring out along the way. So the first, uh, I'd say probably 10 years of his career were making a lot of mistakes, self-managing, you know, trying to run maybe a little too close to being a slumlord where you're trying to you know, really not put that much money out but gain the most income. All those mistakes that people make 
um, in self-managing and trying to do this business on their own. Figured out a lot of the stuff, got on a better path. And then about seven years ago, I connected with him and I'm the operations guy. I'm the engineer. I'm the guy who can take a big problem and break it down to the 40 things that have to happen and come together to, to solve that problem. Um, and that's really where American Wealth Builders on the level that we're at now was born. Um, really taking my strengths, his strengths, um, his side in real estate, mine in operations and systems and technology, um, and then eventually me on the management and business you know, building side. Um, and that's really where both those things came together. American Wealth Builders was created and it's just been nonstop. The last five years, this brand is, you know, completely built up over basically over the last five five ish years um and now we're at the point where we do 30 to 50 properties a month so that just gives you kind of an idea of how you know how quickly the ramp up happened how big of a need in the market there is there and really i I think that i I brag about a little bit because it's my baby but i think that speaks a lot to our systems i mean to get on that level in real estate in 20 years let alone five years you have to be very tight with a lot of stuff so yeah you guys basically have got just an amazing system in place. I mean, that alone, I'm just sitting there going, I wonder if they've got anything like this for the UK, because that would just be amazing. Um, and we break it. I mean, this there's no secret behind it. We break that system every single day. We're challenging it. We're pushing it harder. We're making mistakes. You know, we, we're investing in our system constantly. And I think that's the part that a lot of people don't talk about when you talk about system building and business building is whether it's investing in your team members, investing in yourself, um, you know, taking on losses just to do the right thing in certain situations. All these pieces are investing in your system that is a longevity play. If you only want to be in business for two years, it's a way different path than if you want to be in business for 200. Um, so you really have to look at those systems. And this is why I mentioned the quick action thing is people get so afraid with trying to create the perfect system right off the get go. I don't care how brilliant you are, how perfect of a system you think you create, that will be broken inside of six months, guaranteed, if you are pushing your business to the level that it should. Yeah, I mean, that's actually usually the way you want to do that. It's you outgrow the structure of what you have, essentially. And that's something that I have a conversation with with nearly everyone when it comes down to scaling their business. Because, I mean, I've written direct response copy since I was 12. Mm-hmm. So coming up to like, what, 15 years, and I just retired from writing clients recently, so now I just work as a consultant. But you look at right. their businesses and someone says, hey, how do I scale my business? I look at three things. What's your current system place that you've got in mind? Are you pushing it the hardest? Most of them aren't. Now, most people are bounding through their list. They're not building a relationship. They're not maximizing right. what they're using. And they're like still stuck in this hole. And I say, I say it for what it is, but it's the 2010 when it died, like the 2000, 2010 decade of online marketing, which is, hey, I'm just going to show up, live at the beach, and send one email a week and make money. No, you're not. not. Anymore. Yeah, everyone's, not anymore. Kind of, <laughs> everyone's got hit to that. What you now have to do is build a team, build structure, build systems in place, make sure that you're keeping ahead of everyone else. What worked in 2010 isn't going to work today. you got to keep up in the game. You know, yeah, and, and there's there's a couple things inside of that. We have way better systems now than we did in 2010. I mean, you're talking about just seven years, but technology increases exponentially the way it goes. I mean, I, I was a coder when I was – so you were writing copy when you were 13. I was taking computers apart, putting them back together, at-home trouble troubleshooting, and then coding when, by the time I was 15. Um, wow. So I watched that world. I, I, listen, I used to get paid – $5,000 a site to create a site because we had to do it from the ground up from scratch. There was no WordPress. There was no platform that you could just hop in and build a site in two hours, right? Yeah. So I've watched that change and at the same time watched the email marketing side change because that's how we built our business. It was all a buyer's list. We have a multi, uh, all in all now across everything, we probably have four or five million people on our, across our list. 
Um, it's all about the buyers list for us. That's one of the things that my co-founder preaches that the whole reason where we are to where we are today is because of the buyers list. And he understood very early on something that now everybody's talking about in your marketing focus first and foremost, at least in our world on providing value. If you provide value in everything you send every email, there's another nugget in there. They will always keep engaging back. Um, and if you focus on the value first and foremost, the sale becomes very easy because that's, that's the world we live in now. Now people are more judgmental of the value they're getting. And the, the way I kind of take it further in talking about it is the value is perceived value. You know you have value to provide. It's about that other person that you're speaking, speaking to, seeing it, recognizing it, and then absorbing it to really gain that value. So you have to be paying attention to your audience, what they react to, um, and providing value on different levels. Some, some person in our world may want to hear, you know, what does ARV mean? Another person may know, well, I already know all the terms. I want to look at specific deals. Another person may want to know, hey, how do I use self-directed accounts, right? So you have to remember that the whole reason we market is for our audience to draw them out because we have a value that we can provide them they're not getting elsewhere. Exactly. And just to like sidetrack here for other people who are listening to this right now, like, wait a second, but I'm not in real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the same rules apply. Value is like the best thing that you can give people. Like if you Always. keep if you keep pushing forward, it's the same thing as like how I constantly keep getting my clients. I don't put myself out there and go, "Hey guys, hire me," which I've seen everyone do, which really pisses me off. I mean, give me a reason to hire you. Give me a reason to work with you. Give me a goddamn reason, and that reason usually comes in value. And as the late great Harry Hal Gary Halbert used to say, the best channel that everyone's plugged into is W I I F M. What's in it for me? Speak to their value system. Speak to what they can do and give it to to them. And it makes the sale a hell of a lot easier. It makes the value building a hell of a lot easier. And it positions you as an authority. I can't remember who it was, but someone actually once said that you want to give, you can give the farm away for free, but I still guarantee you people will still pay you for the exact same information because you're giving it away so freely that most people aren't even going to apply it. They don't understand the value that they're getting. They're just going to be like, oh, wow, I have this amazing farm that's been given to me, but they have something to, that they're now asking me, like, there's something I can buy. I'll go buy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I and you know, the, the other side to that equation is from the consumer's perspective, and, and I say this to everybody listening, from the consumer's perspective, there is everything you could possibly need to do anything you want in the world now available on the internet. Everything is there as a free resource for the most part. The value is there. It's about you, one, recognizing what am I good at, what am I bad at, what do I need? Two, what who do I want to work with that is actually going to make my life better? make me better provide more right all of that comes from you in a desire from you want to do more so I, i'm glad you told me at the beginning of this that i could curse on this podcast i don't get to say this line very often but everybody needs to hear it on every podcast every single day i think every morning when you first get going get off your fucking ass the <laughs> only person who's ever going to do anything about your life is you right the only way you get to achieving the ultimate life that you want to is you never stop working for it and you have to have to have to Take a step back, realize what you're good at and what you're awful at, and stop doing the things you suck at. It really is that simple. Hire people to do the things you suck at or that you don't want to do, or knowledge up so that you're better at them, and then just focus on what you can be excellent at. We focus on that as a company, right? So I'm not trying to go out and start five management companies. I'm not trying to even have my own management company. I want to build a management company with somebody else who can own that piece, be accountable, be excellent at that, and then just want to just take that run with it so that I can focus on what I can be excellent at. 
when you start looking at life this way and building your business this way, just everything, it's an abundance mentality. It's a, you know, I'm just only going to do what I can do to change the world. It's a unique ability mentality. Embrace all of that. And your your vision changes, the way you look at building a company changes, the way you look at the people you interact with will completely change for the better in your life. Agreed. Could not agree more with that sentiment. Um, just again, it's all about taking responsibility for what you do. It's all ownership. All, yeah. I, I deal with it with employees all the time. If you're not if you are not going to own your role, um, you, you just won't survive with me. If I have to tell you what to do, you're not going to survive because you want people in your life and you want to be surrounded by people who are going to take the knowledge that you have to provide, take the value, and then make that their own and go create something even better with it. Exactly. Exactly. We're basically in an age of abundance right now, and people don't realize it. I mean, it's oh, insane. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, let's, let, think, let's think about it this way. You and I are perfect examples of this. What other timeline have people actually understood how to build, take apart, um, create computers and websites before they hit, they even leave high school? And people yeah. are already like <laughs> learning how to sell to businesses before they leave high school. When when other time period has that happened with the same yeah. course structures that we have in, in living right now? Oh, no, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, that's why I say the value thing. I, I just love talking about it because it's the entire world we live in. And, and you have to look at it on both sides. If you're not trying to add value to your life every day, you're never going to understand value the right way. Um, you have to, you have to, have to, have to, I'm telling you, just be honest with yourself and get feedback from other people too. I love, if somebody tells me I suck at something, I love that. I'm like, wow, I wasn't even thinking about that. Now I have to go be better at it. Yeah, Start looking at things that way. It'll completely change everything. I'm telling you that I made that shift probably about, uh, you know, it's been a slow shift over the years, but really hard about a year ago. Um, and I still get better and better at it. And it, it just completely changed everything. So what, in what inspired that shift a year ago then? Cause I'm curious about that. So, my my story is pretty interesting because I grew up – so I have the hustle in me naturally. I'm the first of the first generation American born on both sides of my family. So the very first one born in this country, um, half Cuban, half Jamaican family, 22 cousins, and I'm the oldest. So that – you know, I grew up with the type of personality, a lot of pressure on myself just trying to do more because I was the leader of that generation of my family. So the hustle is already there in me. It's been there forever. Um, what – what I like talking about now that I've been through the kind of the shift is that mentality is really good when you're starting a business, but also really bad for you. So it's really good when you're bootstrapping because nothing's going to stop you from getting in there, just putting your head down and making it happen. But you reach a point in business where you realize that you are only going to get your business so far. You have to start bringing in people around you. You start to have to bring in knowledge and expertise and things that you don't have to just be a better organization overall. And as you're shifting that, what you realize is a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur and you're a solo shop or you're a couple people in, you know, you're, you're the go-to guy for everything. About a year ago, I started shifting this six months ago very hard. I said, I no longer want to be the guy that solves all the problems. And it's deceiving because when you're that guy, it feels good. Oh, we need Peter for this. Peter solved the problem. Peter's the hero, blah, blah, blah. But that's not how you build an organization to the next level. So... I shifted from I want to be the man who has all the answers, knows everything, anybody can come to me and I can solve any problem to I want to be the guy that has a guy who can solve any problem. And that was a big shift for me because I'm so used to that gopher, get in there, just get it done mentality. Um, and what I found was in growing people that was holding me back from managing them to the level that I should have been. That's incredible. I mean, that that is incredible alone. Like, just especially with that shift in awareness that you've actually got. And by the way, I totally can relate. I can understand where you're coming from as the leader of your family. 
Um, I'm actually more on the younger side. I'm the second born in my family, but amongst all my cousins and stuff, I'm the only one that didn't go to university. Oh, okay. So I'm like the only one that decided not to go to university, start my own business, and hustle my ass off to go for it. Yeah. So much yeah. fun. So I totally get that. Now, well, you know what's funny is me. I, I love that you say that because I kind of went a different path, but then back. Dude, we lost you. Hold up. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait a second. Nope. We had a little technical snag that basically kind of worked. Technology, eh? That's what happens. Connects us and also can screw with the show. But right now, Peter, you're back. Thank you for being here. So, yeah, you were saying that um, as being, as going the other way. All right, you, you hear went, me now? Yeah, I can hear you fine. You went the other way, didn't you? Yikes, I heard him. Back on, we're live, yay, happy fun days, technology, okay. Um, so yeah, you were just <laughs> saying, so you went the other way, really, didn't you? Yeah, so I, um, so, you know, being, being the first of the first generation, you know, American dream, all that kind of stuff, my family very, you know, university was the natural step for them, like a lot of people, uh, in this country, and, um, I ended up going to an Ivy League school. So that was a very big thing for my family, right? First person in this country to go to an Ivy League school, University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School of Businesses. I mean, just just amazing. Um, but I knew when I went there that I wasn't going to just come out and use my degree. It was more about the family. It was more about a safety net than anything else. Um, and I'm, I'm very much the type of person now who will stand in front of you and say, no, you don't necessarily need to go to college. Not everybody should. You know, the, the mindset needs to change with that. So I don't even look at college that, that same way with, oh, you, you went, you didn't go, whatever. Because I know a ton of people that went to some of the best universities in the world, learned the, the highest level stuff, and then don't do anything. I know somebody right now that has two Ivy League degrees, including a master's, and doesn't do anything like anything at all. So, you know, and, and she needs to be doing something. So it's just the, the education, we, we need to change the way we look at education. And again, I, I bring everything back to value. What is that really doing for you and providing value for you to go out and do more for the world? That's the question we need to be asking. If I, Peter, only have so much time to affect this world, to leave this place better than how I found it, to use whatever is inside of me to help people, how do I maximize that efficiency? Well, it's by increasing your volume or increasing your value, increasing your toolbox so that you can more effectively affect change. That's what it comes down to to me. So um, I love talking about the college thing because of that, because here you and I are talking different paths. One went to college, one different, but we have the same message. We're focused on the same thing. And it ultimately is about how do we become the best people we can be? And then how do we help other people become the best people they can be? Yeah, that's amazing because it's so true. Like we know far too many examples where, you know, you either go to college or you don't. And again, it's about what you create and what you bring out the other side. Now, I've always said if you're not going for a career as a lawyer, a doctor, a surgeon, or something that basically needs a level of degree that you need to actually understand, figure out, and do, don't go to university. I mean, I'm going to get a lot of people that have odd degrees that are friends of mine. They, they hate it when we get into this conversation because I'm like, why did you do liberal arts again? Why are you doing art history again? What do you plan to do when you leave? They're like, oh, I don't know. Do this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's well, and here's the thing. I, you know, I look at, so I look at my engineering degree and I will never, 
it, it's in mechanical engineering, right? I will never be a mechanical engineer. I, I knew that when I got the degree, I knew it all. But I, so I agree with you. But then the other side to it is there's certain, there's certain disciplines where it trains the way your mind thinks. So to me, it's not just about straight, you know, engineering is straight convertible knowledge, right? You're learning equations that affect the way you design things. But especially in engineering, you change the way your mind works. So you start to see, you know, big problems as pieces. You segment out. This is all just training the way it works. So, uh, again, for me, it's not about university, not university. It's about what's needed for you, the individual. The problem with the university system in this country is too many people don't know what's needed. So instead of spending the time in self-realization trying to figure out how they can be most effective, what they actually need, what they're good at, what they're not good at, they say, I'm just going to go to university and I'll figure it all out while I'm there. Then they spend two years trying to figure out what they want to do, change majors three times, end up at school five years, six years instead of four. And in the end, you actually don't come out with more value than if you just would have spent a year realizing what you're good at, what you're bad at, focus on learning where you have gaps, and then applying that knowledge and just up-leveling over those four years. That's entirely true. Like, There's so many people who don't do that. And I, again, I agree with you wholeheartedly on this. Yeah. Um, and it does change your mind because one of my best friends does – He's he is an engineer. And I remember when we were at school, he was like more – He's still the goofy, jokey type, but he also looks at everything in building blocks, which is kind of awesome. Because I'm yep. more, I'm more abstract in the way I think. So like when I'm talking with him about structures, he sits me down and goes, "Okay, so you want to build this thing? This is how you go through all this stuff." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. That that makes way more sense than my way of just like going. I have an idea. Let's go with it." <laughs> so brings me in. But that being well, you're the you're more of the visionary types, right? So I'm yeah. more of the so there's kind of the visionary, you know, head in the clouds all the time, ideas quick action doesn't really think about all the stuff that needs to happen to make that action happen. Um, and those tend to be your, your CEOs, your entrepreneurs, your founders. Um, and then you have the integration side, you know, the implementation, the one that actually has to make all the teams work together, all the components work together. That tends to be more your COO role. Um, but yeah, it's a different, it's a way different way your mind operates in those two different roles in those two different seats. Yeah, massively. And it's really, really helpful because they complement one another, especially if you do it right. Like how you have essentially... It's how you basically yep. came into what you're doing right now, and you see AWE taking this huge, AWE taking this huge leap, which is amazing. Right now, one thing that I did want to ask you, more or less, because we have gone down the journey of entrepreneurship. What is your definition of a an entrepreneur and b of someone that is successful? I'm just curious what your actual definitions are. Yeah, it's great. So, um, take what everybody else calls an entrepreneur, take that same definition, and add has taken action in order to achieve that vision. That's what it, that's the big difference for me. You're not an entrepreneur. You don't go to school and study entrepreneurship. I'm sorry. All those universities out there where you can graduate with a degree in entrepreneurship, what? you guys are misleading people and you're you're causing the youth in this country to think they're entrepreneurs when they haven't done shit. Um, you have to you I'm sorry, you are not an entrepreneur until you actually take action and try and make stuff happen. I don't care if you started 10 companies and you failed at all 10. You're still an entrepreneur because you actually went out there and tried it and tried to make it happen. Every lesson, the biggest lessons you're going to learn in your career as an entrepreneur are going to be from doing and failing every time, mm -hmm. right? So that's one. Two, successful entrepreneur. It's very simple for me. You have a vision. You translate that vision into a goal, and you either achieve that goal or you don't achieve that goal. Um, then it comes down to what your personal goal is, right? So the reason I say say that to people is this some people say well if you haven't created a company that you could sell that could be a business for 100 years you're not an entrepreneur well that's not true because if my if my goal is to create a company that's only around for two years rides the wave of a new technology but i make two billion dollars you're gonna tell me i'm not 
right? Right. Like you can't really do that. That that's cheating. Hmm. I I lost you there. Oh shit! I, yeah, said, can you hear me? No, I just said yeah. No, I was yeah. like, I completely agree yeah. with you. Like, of course they made they they did what they need to do. They succeeded. They went out there and took action. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the action for me. You could sit around learning and talking and doing whatever, but it, it, it all comes from the action. And and here's the <laughs> the secret that's not really a secret. We talked about growing and figuring out more about yourself and where your strengths and weaknesses are and all of that. That all comes from doing and taking action and failing. Yeah, entirely. So, no. my, okay, so my next question really is, and honestly, I'm kind of shocked. They, they give away degrees in entrepreneurship now. Is that a yeah, thing? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it just drives me insane. And you uh, know, I don't know if you follow him, but um, Gary V talks about this a lot. Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah, one of the best. Dude, you cut out again. You there? Guys, he goes off on this because it's like it's bullshit. You meet a kid who's eighteen years old who's never done anything. He's like, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, great. What have you done? Nothing. Okay, great. What what idea do you have for a business? Well, nothing. I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out what business I want to start, but I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I'm sorry, guys, but no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're really not. Gary Vee has that nailed. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, again, going back to the – you're a perfect example for this because now I don't have to use myself for this. You went out there. You did it. You hustled. You worked your damn ass yep. off to get there, and that is entrepreneurship. You are there in the goddamn trenches doing shit. You're fucking doing stuff, whereas it doesn't matter. Uh, you're not. Gone? Yeah, if you're not up, if you haven't had the nights where you're up at 2 a.m. trying to figure out how the fuck you're going to make payroll or how you're going to close this deal or how you're even going to get to the end of the week, like you haven't really lived the full cycle of being an entrepreneur because that's that's just skimming you know, the top of it. When you're talking about making sacrifices every day in order to achieve, when you're talking about you know everybody around you looking at you going, you're crazy, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. Is this even legal? You know, What's going on? How do you even make money? And they just don't understand it. That's, that's welcome to the world of being an entrepreneur. When you're on an island, you look around, all your friends and family have no idea what you're doing, why you're doing it. They have full-time jobs. They're doing their own thing. You're up all night. Your schedule, you know, they get to work nine to five all the time. You might be working at 2 a.m., 4 a.m. You may be taking off in the middle of the day. Like everything is all over the place. When you feel that, then we can talk about you being an entrepreneur. Yep. If you've not, my personal favorite thing I like saying to people is if you've not had one of those nights where you've essentially got a gun to the head moment where you're like, I need to do this or I am out on my ass. If you haven't had those, you ain't lived it. You ain't been through the entrepreneurial nope. cycle because it's, it's, it's scary to say. I mean, like someone, um, I think it was Robert Green that said this. I can't remember where he said it, but I remember him saying it, it was um, the more times you go to that death ground, the more comfortable you come with it. So the more times you've been in that situation that's so quote unquote shitty to everyone else, I haven't got money, I can't eat, I can't do this, I gotta go close the deal, I gotta work. The more times you go to that spot at the early days of your career, later on when you're down the line and someone gives you a snag, I don't know, like some asshole fucked you over or whatever it was, you now have no problem with it. You're like, oh, I've got no money for payroll and I've got 24 hours, that's a luxury. I'm used to doing this with two hours of sleep, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, and, and what, you, what you'll find out is every challenge like that just makes you stronger. So yeah. as you get older, as you go through life, as you do more in business, you start to feel like those challenges aren't challenges anymore, but it's because you're getting better. The challenges get harder. That's the issue, right? Yeah. So you get stronger, the challenges get harder. You're constantly changing the next, or chasing the next harder challenge. That's the best place to be as an entrepreneur because you're forced to keep on growing. You love it, but you're, it's going to naturally happen. The cycle is happening that way. 
happy. And I'm telling you, you wake up. I, I think about this now, and it's one of the things that has been huge for me is, is taking time to reflect, taking time to look back. And it's something that all of a sudden is going to hit you. Like when I, the first time I said, first time I was talking about our business and somebody said, now, when did you start doing real estate? And I told them I really started doing this five years ago. And I, I, no, you've achieved and if you look at what you dealt with in year one and you look at what you're dealing with now, I look back at year one and I thought, I was, I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? Oh my God, how are we going to make this happen? This is so crazy. We dealt with it the last time, but it was on a smaller scale and you have to become better. Then you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe I was even scared of those issues. Like now, if that's all I dealt with all day long, I'd have nine hours a day free because I'm so equipped to handle that at a better level. So again, mindset shift the way you look at your growth, the way you look at your strengths and weaknesses, this is what naturally will happen when you start doing that. You're going to naturally get better because life is going to start throwing you harder things that you have to deal with because you get better at dealing with them. Yeah, entirely agree with that in so many different ways. Now, my favorite, one of my favorite questions to ask is, what is a really good book that has shifted your life that you'd recommend? Um, I'm going to give you two answers on this one the, the one's probably a standard you've heard a lot and that's thinking grow rich yep. um i think every entrepreneur i think every person in the world should read that book i mean it's just that's a big mindset shift um if you are and let me say this before i say the next one i if you haven't gathered it yet i'm all about growth and learning and you know increasing your value so for me it's not so much about a favorite book it's the favorite book at that time um because it's something that i need it's some kind of growth piece that i need and i also tend to reread books because I get a different message at different points in my life. So that's how I know it's a really great book for an entrepreneur is if I can read it three times at you know over five years at different times and get something a little bit different out of it, that's a great tool. Um, on that level for me is a book called Turn the Ship Around. Um, all these shifts that I've been talking about where I started changing my mindset from being the guy to having the guys, having the team around me, growing my team, reinvesting in them, um, that book does a great job of talking about that from a real life example one story that goes on over about 180 days um, in the Navy, actually. So one of the hardest systems to kind of change the way things are done. Very top, you know, top down. An order starts at the top and just everybody has to follow it. So exactly the way you don't want to run your organization if you're trying to gain freedom, if you're trying to really build to a better level. So turn the ship around. Um, absolutely amazing read. I, I've read it two or three times just in the last couple of months because I'm dealing with a lot of that right now. Wow. Um, those would be my two top. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so now comes my favorite part of the show. It's my two favorite okay. questions I love asking because I love to see how people like uh, contend with these. So the first question is, and I'm not sure if you've been there, but I'm pretty sure you have because everyone has to some degree. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've basically been knocked on your ass further down than you thought you've ever been knocked down before or is even possible? If so, what did you do to get back up? And most importantly, what did you do to excel? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I again, my viewpoint's a little bit different. I don't, I don't kind of look at it as getting knocked down in your ass. It's just a series of challenges that get more difficult. Um, I, I've had to, I've gotten down to a two-week period where I've had a million-dollar note due. I've had. Um, a new salesperson in office and then the other salesperson who was actually producing was on vacation for a month. 
Um, and then another part of the business that just had some, you know, had some people kind of slacking in there. So I basically had, you know, a huge call on a note, sales, sales down, and then some of our supply down all at the same time. Um, and about a week after that note was due, had another $2 million deal that was getting ready to close out. So you're talking about $3 million in cash over about a two week period that, um, we had to kind of put together pretty quickly there. Um, so that was, that was a lot for us. You know, we don't carry a lot of debt. We don't, um, we move a lot of cash around. We move a lot of properties, but to have 3 million, you know, just that number, um, 3 million like that in a short time frame was, was scary at first. I think we got more intimidated by the number than anything. Um, but we have a very, we have a very good way of not letting it scare us into being paralyzed. Um, and that's again, everything we've been talking about so far. That's a big part of it is I, we're not afraid to make mistakes. So if I go in there and I can't make three million happen, what's the worst that can happen to me? We don't we can't close on a deal. We lose the deal like, OK, people will try and sue us, whatever. You can close up an LLC and kind of avoid that. Um, so I, to answer your question, that that's the hardest moment, I think, um, over the last five years. The, the question in terms of what did we do to overcome it? I, I don't think there's anything in that moment we did. We just focus very heavily on don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you hustle your ass off, you can figure everything else out. And don't be afraid to walk away from a deal. If you can't make it happen, if you're if you're trying to force something and it's not fitting in, we, we're, we're very big on just saying, you know what, this is not a good fit right now. Let's just move away from it. And that includes people. That includes relationships. That includes, you know, 20-year banking relationships, whatever it is. Um, just the ability to recognize whether it's a fit or not and be able to walk away without feeling that emotional attachment to it. That's just something we kind of always have going that I think answers that, that last part for us. Oh, dude, that's awesome because that really just shows more or less than anything that, again, even at different levels, how you guys adapt. And it's essentially, it's a growth thing because you grew past that. That was your challenge and you, you smashed it. So welcome to the next challenge that you're going to be getting. Uh, wherever that is, but now you know you can tackle something like this because it's like, okay, breathe, we've been here before, let's do it again. Now, my second question yeah. uh, is a little bit more fun. I'm gonna tailor this more to you because it, it's not gonna, f it may fit to other people, but what three pieces of advice would you give besides growth? Because growth is like advice number zero for you all the way up to 10. I want something <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's from you. I know that, I love that about you. But like, what three pieces of advice would you give someone that is that is truly an entrepreneur that is out in the field but isn't getting the results they want or they've got the results they want but they've hit a plateau and they don't know how to grow further because actually forget that guy his is just growth the, but the person that's actually in a place that i'm trying i'm hitting my head against a brick wall and i don't know how to get out of this 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 hole i'm in what three pieces of advice yeah. would you give Awesome question. And the guy you just said to forget about, my first piece is actually going to apply to him as well. Oh, um, so obviously I said I said everything about growth. The, the second piece of that, and it ties into growth as well, is goal setting. Um, I find that most people do not take the time to think about goals, let alone write them down, let alone revisit them, and then let, let alone you know do that frequently. You have to be setting goals in your business, in your personal life, with your employees, everything. So most people that struggle in business are because they don't have that North Star. They don't have that goal to even figure out what step they should make in order to achieve that goal. You have to have the goal first and foremost. For the new guy on his own, hitting the brick wall, getting started versus the guy who's been there who's hitting the next growth stage brick wall, it's often the same issue. 
It's just a matter of now you have more people in your organization and you don't have the top level vision. So then it's not translated down to the next level. So then everybody's running around that much more with their head cut off. So goal setting. Absolutely. Um, two. And this kind of ties into the goal setting. Every entrepreneur, whether you're just getting started, whether you have a hundred million dollar business, whether you're, you know, between companies trying to figure it out. The goals that you're and we'll call this one A, the goals that you're setting every morning, you, you have to do it in multiple levels, right? You're gonna have a five a ten year goal. Well, get a ten year goal, get a five year goal, get a one year goal, get a three month goal, and then get a daily. Break it down to what can I do today to achieve my 10 year goal um, and reflect on that every single day. A lot of what we talked about here in terms of growth is a lot of self-reflection, self-realization. You only do that by getting in the habit of doing that every day. So journaling in the morning and at night is a huge piece that I know has made a difference for me. I watched this make a difference with a lot of people that we work with as well. In the morning, you set goals. You say, here's what I need to achieve today. For me to have the biggest effect on my business, here's what I want to knock out. You get to the end of the day, you say, did I do it? Did I not? I hold backs. With more realization, more hunger for knowledge, uh, and more hunger to be better because you're really just creating yourself every single day. That's huge. Do that on different time scales. There's a bunch of journals out there that are 90 days that can help you. I recommend you start with 90 day overall goals, right? 10 years is really hard. Look at 90 days. What do I want to achieve? That's a big needle moving piece for my business in the next 90 days. And you just visit that every single day. Um, so that's kind of one zero, one and two, let's call it. Um, from there, uh, the two next ones are about consistency. Um, so consistency in marketing and consistency in recruiting. And it depends on what level you're at in your business right now. If you're not needing to hire people or not looking to hire people, then recruiting, obviously, I don't want you to go spend time recruiting if you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you're building a business and you're really trying to get the, the, the most talent, and this is something I have been awful with that I'm still trying to get better at, is you just always recruit so that you have constant talent that you're looking at. So when the A-plus player pops up, you can take them no matter what. Um, and then consistency in marketing. I, I've watched at different points of our business, I've watched our acquisitions pipeline drop out because we stopped marketing for two weeks where it took 90 days to get that back up to full speed. Um, marketing is, uh, it, it's the number one thing I see missing um, when we consult a lot with real estate entrepreneurs. So it's the number one thing I see missing with real estate entrepreneurs. Um, consistency that marketing is, is a major issue. Um, confidence in that marketing through using metrics and KPIs to really look at where you're effective, what's working, what's not working, making adjustments and just constantly working that system that mini system inside of your overall system, that will change your sales side completely. And I'm sure you are like right on board with that with everything you used to do. Just It's all about just constantly doing that. You talked about one email a day, a day doesn't work anymore. Emailing your list every single day, different content, providing them more value, that's all part of that consistency in marketing. Yep, and just to clarify, I said not emailing uh, once a week. You got to once a week, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say daily emails, I stand behind all the time because I'm like, God damn it, I love daily emails. So much more fun. Again, whatever works for your, it's about your customer base and your subscriber base and test different things out. I mean, yep. you know, if you're, I, I think you'd be very surprised for you guys listening. You know, we've gone through that too. Well, what is one too many is three too many is this, that, whatever. You could talk to lots of experts out there, start doing it. Your list is going to tell you a lot too. And then, you know, obviously if you're bombarding people three times a day and you don't have value to provide in each of those three emails, that's going to affect you as well. So that's awesome that's pretty awesome dude thank you so much for actually uh joining us today but like i know for a fact you've got like a uh, youtube channel as well right 
Yeah, so you can actually get on YouTube and look for American Wealth Builders. Um, we've got a podcast on there that we've been doing all about real estate investing. I'm talking about turnkey, um, you know, showing you real life examples of portfolios being built, the assets we're acquiring, different deals that I'm putting together just to kind of show you the back end. Um, I even take guys into our operation, kind of show you everything we do versus what our buyers actually have to do. Um, so, you know, whether you're looking for turnkey or real estate or not, you can gain a lot over there. Um, whether you're just trying to see how an operation works at a different level, I talk about that over there. If you want to see how people are building portfolios and what we talk about, you know, again, I just I just said it to you right there, right? Three different pieces of value that, that resonate to three different types of people that are all coming out of that channel. So, um, yeah, and, and listen, I use that as a as a really an open line to me. If you get on there and you're like, hey, man, this is great content. I really want to learn more about this. I'll do a podcast show on just that topic. Hell so, yeah. I mean, it's a great way of connecting oh, yeah. with your crowd because, um, again, you seem like a really open guy that likes to like hear back. And again, it's feedback, as a friend of mine used to say, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Our entire business is built on feedback loops that comes from my software coding side. Everything we do is about iterations and feedback loops. So every pass that goes through our system, the system gets smarter because the end result feeds back to the beginning. You know, management saying, hey, the rehabber missed this. The rehabber's saying, hey, on inspection, we didn't detect this. All feedback's going in that just makes that system stronger all the way. Same thing with, you know, you asking for constructive criticism, you sitting back at the end of the day to reflect on how your day went. Everything we've talked about is all about feedback loops, putting back to the beginning, making it stronger, and then just getting better every single time. That's pretty fucking awesome. All right, guys, <laughs> if you want to reach out to Peter, please hit him up everywhere. The channel links will be below this podcast per usual, but also just, just search out American Wealth Builders on every platform you can because you'll probably find him on them. Um, Peter, again, thank you so much for being here. Guys, check out AmericanWealthBuilders.com as well. Um, Peter, again, I cannot thank you enough for actually taking the time to share and spend with us and actually dropping all this information that you have. No, um, absolutely. And I appreciate you guys having me on. If anybody wants to reach out to me directly, you know, all I ask is obviously I got a lot going on. Be respectful of my time. But if I can help you guys, you guys have gotten a feel of kind of how I operate. My email address, peter at AmericanWealthBuilders.com. You can reach me directly. Give me a little bit of time to respond to you. But again, I, I'm here to provide value. If I can help you guys, whether that means buying a property, looking at your investments, or just talking about, you know, operations, if I can help, uh, you know, I'll make that happen for you. So, oh, so yeah, guys, reach out to him. Take advantage of this. And again, as always, I'm sure Peter will get back to you as soon as he can. But sometimes, you know, life gets in the way. But um, business is the thing. But he will get back to you. Um, Pete, sure. thank you again for being here. Guys, as always, thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next week's episode as well of the podcast. Looking forward to it. Take care, guys. Bye.